your life is part of a bigger story. What comes to mind when you hear that expression? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Do you find it to be true? Do you find it to be untrue? This is one of the topics I'm going to be tackling in this shorter episode of The Narrative Wars and this concept that our individual personal experiences are somehow part of even larger, bigger experiences that are happening all around us. This is Josh J.C. Alfelto, this is The Writer's Lens, and this is episode two of The Narrative Wars. When I was prepping to do this episode, a lot of things came to my mind, a lot of topics that I wanted to discuss and sort of unpack and flesh out. But I'm going to try to keep this general, but also a little bit specific, because hearing the phrase, your life is part of a bigger story, probably evokes a lot of different emotions or thoughts, perhaps past experiences that you, the listener, have had before. And what I really want to do in this episode is introduce two terms that you may or may not have heard before, and that is the macro narrative and the micro narrative. And already you might be able to discern what each of these terms actually means. So macro narrative is big picture things. It's the big picture storytelling. So you've probably seen examples of this on commercials or marketing campaigns, uh, stories on the news. Basically, this is when we try to create a universal message for everybody. So Nike is probably one of the ones that comes to mind for me most, uh, most often with their Just Do It campaign. I mean, it's a, it's a specific... Uh, phrase, just do it, but it's supposed to be tailored to everybody. So you, uh, you know, 30-year-old, you 60-year-old, you 15-year-old, however old you may be, man, woman, doesn't matter. If you can get up and, you know, muster the gumption to do something and put your mind to it, find the will to win, then you can also be a champion. All right. This is, this is a larger picture idea. Okay. Not giving you the specifics of how to do it necessarily, but giving you kind of this send-off that you also can be a champion. All right, so that's macro narrative ideas, big picture storytelling. Now, micro narrative is kind of scaled back in this sense. It's still storytelling. It's still the, the series of, of events that we that we tell or play out, but now it's on a much smaller scale. I was, uh, I was reading a couple blogs prior to this episode, and one of the ones that stuck out uh, made a reference of where the action is, and I thought that was a good way of kind of summing it up but this this concept of the micro narrative is the personal experience so it's your subjective experience regardless of what the larger narrative says it's what you have done what you have seen play out in your own life not just everybody else's not just the mass marketing that's out there uh you know the, in the business world you might know these as user experiences or perhaps testimonials right i mean if there's a product on amazon for instance and it has 1,984 reviews for something, all right? Basically, there's 1,984, well, hopefully, individual reviews. There could be spammers in there. (laughs) There could be competitors trying to make another product look bad. But for the most part, there'd be 1,984 unique user experiences on this product, and they're rating it based upon what they experienced with it. And as that accumulates, all right, which is kind of the focal point of this this episode, as those ideas and those experiences accumulate, it creates kind of a larger picture. It creates this almost blanket statement over top of something that says, this is what you're going to probably experience based upon the numbers, 
because we've had a wide array of folks that have tried this product. We have a wide array of folks that have, have put this thing to the test. This is the general consensus as to what this product will do. If you yourself, if you, the person who, who gets it, is going to end up using it. Now, obviously, this idea of macro and micro narrative plays out in more than just buying products, right? It, it plays out in all kinds of ethics. So, for instance, you know, parenting, you know, what constitutes being a good dad, right? Like, there's a lot of big picture narratives around the idea of what it what it takes to be a really good father. All right, now I've been a I've been a dad now for almost four years, and there's a lot of different parenting techniques out there. There's a lot of different ways that people will engage with their children uh, in the way that they hope that they're raising them upright, uh, or I should say rearing them upright in order to be uh, English correct <laughs> in this. So my experience, my personal experience with, with my children may match what the common consensus would be around what constitutes a good dad. But, you know, I could do things as a father that I think are right that the bigger picture would say otherwise, you know, so, uh, or, you know, conversely, I could not do something that the big picture says I should do. And, uh, you know, I might think that that's what it takes to be a good father, as opposed to what the rest of the bigger narrative says. Now, big narrative ideas around being a good dad would be, uh, you know, make as much money as possible to provide for your kids, you know, get a huge house and uh, provide for your spouse, provide for your kids, make sure that you got everything under the sun to make them happy. And though that is a good thing, you know, I would, I would agree with that, but being careful about that, being careful about material things, being of the utmost importance, being uh, careful around the idea that your job is what is most important to you, that your work is the most important thing for you, as opposed to maybe your kids. Okay. So this is something where I know that maybe culturally, or even in our, our society, we might think that having the best, highest paying job. And again, it's not something that we shouldn't go after. Okay. I'm not, it's not saying that you shouldn't try to try to make more money and try to be more successful that way. But if we are compromising certain things, if we're compromising time with our children, compromising moments to learn, to teach lessons, things like that, this is an area where we make individual decisions as opposed to what maybe the larger narrative says we ought to do, which is, you know, get the mansion, get the large pool, you know, make sure your kids have every single toy under the sun. That's what the sign of being a good parent is. And the reality is that, well, it may not actually be it. Okay. That may actually not be true. So the macro narratives can sometimes not be as true as we're being sold on them. Okay. So just, just track with me on this. The macro narratives are not always as true as they are being sold to us. From a writer's perspective, I have to be very cognizant of this because when I tell a story, I'm talking to a specific narrative. Okay, so I have an overarching theme. I have an, you know, sort of a central plot that I'm trying to revolve everything around. And my protagonist or any of my characters that I have in my story, everything that they're doing is going to be interacting with this central focus, with this central theme, which is going to guide me from beginning to middle to end. So, for instance, in The Road to Mars, the primary goal of my protagonist, which was Darian, was to get him and his daughter, Olivia, to Mars. Okay, so he wanted to find uh, the Shepherd character. Okay, spoiler alert. Okay, if you haven't read my book yet, come on, shame on you, go get it. <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. Uh, the Shepherd that comes from Mars to find people to take them back there, Darian is doing everything that he can to find uh, the Shepherd. 
that he believes is somewhere on Earth that will take him to Mars and save him from the decrepit state that the Earth is in and save him and his daughter and go eventually find his wife, which has already left for Mars. So I won't give away the ending of that, but, but everything is focused on this overarching idea that Mars is the better place to be and that anybody who's trying to save their livelihood has to get there. They have to figure out a way to get there. And the micro-narrative then becomes Darian's individual journey and all the other characters that he interacts with and how they feel about this concept of leaving Earth and getting to Mars. So writers have to be, again, like I said, very cognizant of this concept that there's, there's macro ideas and there's micro ideas that are happening within their stories. And even nonfiction writers have to do this. Have to do this. I mean, I just interviewed a gentleman by the name of Austin Gone who wrote a nonfiction piece about the life of St. Augustine, about how Augustine was trying to navigate his 20s and he was trying to uh, figure out what his purpose in life was, how he was going to you know, establish community around him and all other kinds of things. Like what was important? What were the priorities of his life? And even with that, you have to figure out in a true account of things, not fictional, you still have this, again, bigger idea that several smaller ones are going to play out with or, or within the larger one. And that's just, I mean, that's how a typical story should be told. And that's how we as storytellers, as human beings, that's how we tell stories. We have a larger one and we have a lot of smaller ones happening within. And that's how our individual lives play out too. So just bringing this concept full circle from the very beginning, our lives individually have an impact on a much larger story that's happening around us. Whether we want to accept that or not, there's a bigger picture that's in play and we're a part of that individually. I mean, we see it in fiction, we see it playing out in nonfiction, we see it playing out all around us. And our filters, our, our way of looking at the world, which you might say is someone's worldview, ultimately ends up deciding whether or not we agree or we disagree with the larger narratives that are all happening around us all the time. So you might say that the next big question is, and this will be for the next episode, is who's responsible for these larger narratives? Who's creating these big picture ideas. Well, that's something I'm going to unpack a bit in the next episode here on The Writer's Lens uh, for episode three of The Narrative Wars. So I hope you can tune in next time, and I hope you enjoyed uh, this uh, quick dive into micro and macro narratives. So have a great week, guys. I'll catch up with you again soon. Bye.